good morning, everybody, and uh, good to be together today. And got a, a message I'm really excited to share with you today. Our theme this morning is called Finding Hope. Finding Hope, not Finding Nemo. Nemo's already been found. Finding Hope. And I wonder whether that's something that's uh, relevant to your life today. Uh, back in 2002, I had what I would call a six-month emotional valley. And I wasn't quite sure what was going on in my life. Uh, it took everything within me to get through the next meeting, next appointment, next task, next project. And I was more happy when it was over than when it was happening. Uh, it was like the clouds had kind of come into my life, like someone had kind of pulled down the shutters on the windows to my world. And I'm kind of a bit confused. Is this a midlife crisis? Is this a spiritual wilderness or an attack from the enemy? I really wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, with the help of a coach and a counselor kind of processing things, I began to realize that I'd been living life at an unsustainable pace. I'd been going, 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 and, <coughs> and my body, excuse me, and emotions had basically shut down and said, we refuse to live at this pace anymore. I was suffering from a form of depression called adrenaline exhaustion. And I was in this valley, and I wasn't able to just suddenly get out of it. It wasn't a quick prayer, you know, get a good attitude, and you'll be out. <coughs> I was in this valley, and I had to kind of navigate this season. I had to make some adjustments, some changes. And eventually, after a period of time, I came up out of that valley, and the clouds cleared a little bit. And haven't been back in that valley since, but I've been near the edge. How many know when you go over the edge of the road, you know where the edge is? So I, I learned to read my indicators when I'm nearing that space. Uh, I wonder about you. Have you ever been depressed? Maybe you are now. Or maybe you've been depressed, but you've never really called it depression. You know, depression simply means low mood, low mood. And I think if we're honest, every one of us in this room have times when we have low mood. Uh, maybe a friend moves away, maybe you fail a test, maybe your football team loses again. Low mood settles in, depression. Sometimes it's there for an hour, then it's gone. Sometimes it lasts a day, sometimes it lasts a week. I took my boys last Sunday to watch our team, Geelong, and they lost. And a week on, I'm still a little low. Uh, maybe this afternoon they'll reverse the trend. So, so sometimes that low mood stays for a day, a week, but sometimes it can settle in for a month or months or a year or even longer. You know, depression is being called an epidemic in the Western world today. Uh, someone's labeled it the common cold of the emotions. Ever catch the cold? Ever catch the flu? <laughs> well, a lot of people are catching the common cold of the emotions called depression. Here in Australia, one in eight men will have a severe bout of depression in their lifetime. One in six women will do so. Men and women often react differently. Women tend to feel their depression more. Men tend to act it out, sometimes through anger or irritability or addiction. And sadly, men are less likely to ask for help or talk about it when they experience it because it's sometimes seen as a sign of weakness. So we've got an epidemic of depression. Suicide, sadly, is on the rise. You know, eight people in Australia every day uh, take their life. And for every successful suicide, there are 20 other people who attempt it and are not successful. Uh, world Health Organization estimates 800,000 people in the world commit suicide every year. That's one every 40 seconds. 
people saying life is no longer worth living. I was just talking to someone last night at Cheltenham who extended family member, 15-year-old boy, took his life last year. Uh, so eight every day here in Australia. That's 3,128 people. Six of those eight people will be men. In fact, three, men are three times more likely to die of suicide than a road accident. Uh, suicide's the biggest killer of young Australians. And I was listening to the news this morning. The other growing age group is 85 plus. Uh, people taking their lives. And so we live in a world <laughs> where there's an epidemic of not only depression, but hopelessness. And so I think this topic, finding hope, we live in a world that's in desperate need of hope. Uh, today's message, I see all my messages, not, is not the last word or the final word. When this message is done, it's like, well, well we've got it all figured out. No, I want to uh, see this message as a conversation starter. And so I hope when this message and meeting's done, you'll go home and more conversations will take place about this. Because it's a complex subject. Uh, depression comes in different forms. There's different causes. Uh, there are different symptoms, negative thinking, negative mood, negative behavior. And there are different degrees of depression, as we mentioned. I think one of the challenges with depression is you can't actually see it. You know, if someone walked in here today with a broken angle, ankle and a cast on and crutches, how many know we'd be a little patient with them? You wouldn't be going, hurry up, will you? No, you could see that they've got an injury and they need a little bit of extra TLC, tender loving care. But see, if someone walks in here with depression, you can't see it, but it's just as debilitating as someone with a broken ankle. And they need some TLC, some loving care. You wouldn't go up to that person with a broken ankle and say, come on, let's pray, let's get that cast off right now. <laughs> you just understand, it's going to take a little time. And eventually this will heal and they'll be back on their feet again. And, and in the same way, we can't just go up to someone with depression and say, okay, let's pray, it's gone, you're, you're okay now. Sometimes it takes some time and some process, sometimes even some medication if there's chemical imbalance causes. And so sadly, depression um, sometimes has some stigmas with it. Some people think it's a sign of weakness. Uh, anyone heard of Winston Churchill? Pretty Pretty strong leader in tough times. Did you know Winston Churchill suffered with bouts of depression? He actually labeled his depression the black dog. And some days the black dog was in the room, some weeks. And then sometimes, yeah, black dog's gone for a walk. It was a way for him to differentiate between himself and his depression. He wasn't a weak person. And so don't think that if you struggle with low mood that you're weak. It's not a sign of weakness. Uh, in fact, Arch Hart, Christian psychologist, said that depression is actually a healing emotion. It's a different take on it, isn't it? Um, how many know physically if you didn't feel pain, you would be a very dangerous person? Because <laughs> if you didn't feel pain, you'd end up doing a lot of damage to your body. Pain is your servant. It's letting you know, hey, that's hot, move your hand away. If you didn't feel pain, you would cause all kinds of havoc in your physical body. Uh, Arch Hart says depression is just like that. It's actually there as a protective device to get your attention that something needs adjustment in your life. What does God have to say about this? One of the things I love about the Bible record is that the Bible doesn't just record all the victories and all the joyful moments. The Bible also records the reality of people's lives. And if you read the stories of people like Job, Moses, David, Jeremiah, Jonah, Elijah, they all went through times of low mood. In fact, some of them so low, 
They despaired of living and wanted to actually end it all. And so depression, I'm here to tell you today, is not necessarily a sign of weakness, of God's judgment in your life, or you've got a lack of faith. I believe it's a part of the human experience, part of the human experience. And so God understands. Let's have a look at our next slide here. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. God understands. When hope doesn't show up, when hope isn't around, it, it, it's sickening. It, it, your whole well-being, your whole system is affected because we desperately need hope to survive, let alone to thrive. But a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. God understands our need for hope. Not only that, God is a God of hope. I love this prayer from Paul, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope. You know, I've heard, I've heard of the God of love. I know God's a holy God. I know God's a God of peace and a God of joy. Did you know God is a God of hope? And He wants to actually have you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, wonderful promise. Jeremiah 29, 11 says here, um, you've heard it before, God says, I have plans for you. Uh, to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a... Hope, that was your cue, plan to give you hope and a future. So God understands the desperate need we have for hope. And when we're feeling depression, when we're feeling a sense of hopelessness, God wants to provide hope for us. Um, without going into all of the background because of time this morning, uh, there are many theories about where depression comes from. Uh, Sigmund Freud reckoned it was from unresolved childhood issues. There's trauma in your past. And there's an element of truth. If you've had some traumatic experiences, they could still be affecting your feelings and behavior today. Other people said it's, it's genetics. It's your mother. It's your father. It's your grandparents. It's your DNA. And there's no doubt DNA is very powerful. There's some physiological things that pass through the family tree. Uh, others say it's your environment. And I think there's an element of truth in all of those theories, our environment does affect us dramatically. In the 1960s, there was a shift in the world of psychology to, instead of looking to our past or looking to our family tree or looking to the environment, to actually look inward and to consider the impact on our feelings of our thinking. It's called cognitive psychology. And uh, it's another theory about where depression comes from. And I think there's an element of truth in this also. In fact, as you look at the, the biblical record, there's a strong emphasis on life being lived inside out. Look at Proverbs 4.23. This is, this is 3,000 years old before psychology was even named, named a field of study. Uh, the writer here says, above all else, yeah, your family tree is interesting, your environment's interesting, your genetics is interesting, but, but above all else, guard your heart. Hebrew word for heart means your inner world, your, your mind, your will, your emotion. Guard your heart because out of it is the wellspring of life. <laughs> your life is lived inside out. It's not so much what's happening outside of you. It's what's happening on the inside of you. It's going to flow out. So give attention to your heart. Uh, the Apostle Paul picks this up. Going pretty quickly this morning. I'm giving you the short version. Uh, the full version you can get online from Cheltenham. I'm just skipping a little bit quickly here because of our time. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How are you transformed? How are you changed? By the renewing of your mind. 
You want to change your life? You want to change your feelings? You want to change your world? Then change your thinking. Renew your mind. Uh, see, there's two ways to think. We've learned today there are people who are more pessimistic and there are people who are more optimistic. And those thought processes have a big effect on how you feel and also how you act. Anyone heard of Murphy's Law? Anyone heard of Murphy? It's not in the Bible. Uh, Murphy's Law is this. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> That's Murphy. In fact, he says, uh, you know, if, if everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. That's Murphy. Everything takes longer than you think. You will always find something in the last place you look. I like this one. The chance of a piece of bread falling with the buttered side down is directly proportional to the cost of the carpet. <laughs> Here's another one. Anything you try to fix will take longer and cost more than you thought. And the guys will like this one. Any tool dropped while repairing a car will roll underneath to the exact center of the vehicle. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's true, isn't it? And here's, here's one for the girls. When a broken appliance is demonstrated to the repairman, it will work perfectly. Murphy's Law. Some actually say Murphy was an optimist. <laughs> but it's interesting how our, our thinking can lean towards pessimism or optimism. Uh, the truth is that pessimists and optimists all experience the same degree of difficulties, challenges, and tragedies. The difference between them is how they explain what's happening in their life. That's the difference. Uh, pessimists, when something happens, they see it as permanent. Optimists see it as temporary. If a bad event happens, pessimists see it as permanent, going to last forever. Optimists see it as a temporary setback. Uh, if a bad thing happens, pessimists see it as pervasive. It fills their whole life. It bleeds everywhere. A little thing's happening and the whole world's collapsing. Optimists tend to put it in a box and say, yeah, I've got this issue here, but my whole life isn't falling apart. Just this issue is the challenge. And pessimists, when something bad happens, tend to blame themselves and end up getting down, while optimists tend to realize, hey, there's other people, there's other circumstances beyond my control. And so pessimism and optimism are different ways of thinking about the events in our life. And the good news is you can change your thinking. No matter what your DNA is, no matter what your genetics, no matter what your childhood is, no matter what your environment is, you can renew your mind. You can change your way of thinking to be more hope-filled. How do we do that? Thank you for asking. Next slide. Look at Paul here, 2 Corinthians 10, 14. He says, The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Would you say those two words with me? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul's giving us some tips on how you change your thinking. You've got to learn to take captive every thought. That comes through your mind. Let me um, unpack this with a little illustration called the ABCs of changing your thinking or mind renewal. Letter A stands for adversity. All of us in life will have times of adversity. Life brings a challenge, a difficulty, some trouble into our world. The sun doesn't always shine. There's some rainy days. So adversity happens. 
We then let it be, we respond to that adversity or react to it by thinking about it. And our thoughts about the adversity form beliefs. Beliefs through which we process the adversity that's happening in our life. Let us see. Those beliefs have consequences. Please notice that consequences come from beliefs, not directly from adversity. Consequences are a result of our beliefs about the adversity, not the adversity itself. Our beliefs have consequences in how we feel and how we act. Let me illustrate this very simply. Uh, Adversity. You call a friend tomorrow morning and they don't answer their phone. You ask them in a message you leave on their phone to call you back as soon as possible. Two hours have gone by and they haven't called you back. Adversity. We're starting with mild adversity. (laughs) Now, let's say you think about that and your beliefs go this way. Maybe they're upset with me. Maybe they don't like me anymore. Maybe they're not my friend. How many know those beliefs will have consequences? You could feel down the rest of the day. You may actually have a very unproductive day. Can you see that the consequences come from your beliefs, not the adversity? If in contrast to those beliefs, you call your friend, you leave a message, please call me back as soon as possible. Two hours go by, they haven't called back. If in contrast you go, you know what, they're probably flat out. I'm sure they'll get back with me when they can. How many know that's going to have a different effect on your day? You're going to feel fine. You're going to have a good day. The difference is not the adversity, it's the beliefs you have about what's happening to you. The key issue in your life right now is not what's happening in your life. It's the story you're telling about what's happening in your life. Let's take another adversity. You fail a test. Adversity. Let's say your beliefs to that failure are, (laughs) I'll never pass. I'll never succeed. I'm a failure. I'll never do anything in life. How many know that those beliefs are going to have some consequences? Come on, work with me. If in contrast, when you fail the test, your beliefs are, you know, maybe I studied the wrong thing. (laughs) Maybe I could have studied a little more. Oh, I didn't get that, but I'll study again. How many know those beliefs will have different consequences? You you know, when I was a a teenager, my first driving test, I was living in America at the time, I went to get my driver's license. I actually failed. Thank you for the sympathy in the room. Anyone else fail the driving test, first driving test? Ooh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Whoa, nine. We had 10 at Cheltenham this morning. It was a Me Too movement. Me Too, Me Too. Five times. Oh, you got a story. Um, you know, when, I fa- when you fail your driving test, again, you can go, well, maybe I'll never drive. Maybe my life is a taxi future. But you know what I did? So you know why I failed? I made two big mistakes. One is we're going along this little side road, and the driving tester just said, oh, just pull to the side of the road. And so I pulled to the side of the road and parked. I didn't indicate. That was my first big mistake. Secondly, uh, my test included going on the freeway, 100 Ks. So I went on the freeway at 80 Ks, and I stayed at 80 Ks and slowed all the traffic. Man, people do this all the time nowadays, don't they? It's so annoying. I failed because I was too slow. So you know what I thought? I can indicate. (laughs) 
I can indicate when I pull the side of the road. And guess what? I can drive faster. <laughs> Been doing that. <laughs> and I went again, and I got 100%. What, 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 what's my point? Life's not so much the adversity. It's what are you believing? What are your thoughts about that adversity. They are influencing your feelings and your behavior more than the adversity itself. So what are we going to do? Letter D, we've got to learn to dispute our beliefs. Not the adversity. Can't do much about that. We've got to dispute our beliefs. I want to encourage you this week, tune in to the internal dialogue in your mind. What are you telling yourself? Tune in. To the internal dialogue in your mind. What are you saying to yourself about what's happening in your life right now? Question or dispute your beliefs. Um, let, let, let me illustrate this. I want to do a little drama this morning. I need about 10 volunteers. So who's always wanted to be in a drama? Can, can I have 10 people just come and you can volunteer other people? Yeah, come. I just need 10 people up the front here today. Come on. You, you, you love drama, you cause drama, you always wanted to be in a drama. I need about 10 people. Here we go. We've got two, four, six, four more. Can I get four more? Uh, as they're coming, just get into a circle over here. So just into a circle, a nice, even-shaped circle. Here come two more. We've got our drama team today. Excellent. So as we get in the circle, I want you just to all face right. So all face the right. And I want you right. Right is this. Yeah. Turn to your right. Everyone turn to your right. And now... And now that's right. And now start walking. Single file in a circle. Uh, okay? Do that. I want you to double the speed, uh, triple the speed. So just keep that. That's it. Just keep it going like this. Now, this is what your mind looks like. S spread it out. Don't get smaller. Um, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it in order. These people represent thoughts in your mind. And, and your thought... Your thoughts are, are, are like an ant's nest. They're, they're like a, a bee's nest. You've got all these thoughts going on in your mind. Pause. Now, what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to listen to our thoughts and see what they're saying. So this thought is saying, Mark, you're an idiot. <laughs> Just get into roll. Get into roll. You're an idiot. And so I've got to actually take captive this thought and dispute it and say, am I an idiot? Yes. Well, I've done some idiotic things, but I'm, I'm not an idiot. So I've actually got to dispute and push that thought out of my mind. Let's keep it moving here. In the last meeting, I had about 10 women. I had to say, this is a, this is a gender neutral example. I don't have 10 feminine voices in my mind. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. Yes, yeah, stay here. Uh, pause. Pause. Here's another thought. This thought's saying, Mark, you're a failure. Good work, good work. Sign this guy up right here. Mark, you're a failure. Now I have to, I have to ca capture that and say, is that true? Well, I have failed. I failed my test. I have fa I failed many times. But how many know failing doesn't make you a failure? And so I have to dispute that and actually put that thought out of my mind. You can be friends in a moment. Uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Stay with me. I, I, we, we lost the thought, didn't we? That's okay. Oh, you get vertigo. Yeah, this. Next drama. Next drama. Next drama. Pause. Pause. Okay. Here's another thought over here. And this thought, I pause, and it's saying, Mark, no one likes you. Just shuffle. 
You're good. No one likes you. This is what this thought is saying. I have to go, is that true? Well, there are people who don't like me, surprisingly. But my wife likes me. My dog likes me. And, and I've actually got to reject that thought. Now, just put arms on shoulders, arms on shoulders, arms on shoulders, a little triangle, a little triangle. If you're not careful, if you don't dispute and replace thoughts like you're an idiot, you're a failure, no one likes you, you end up with a stronghold of rejection where we've allowed these thoughts to establish in our mind rather than disputing them and replacing them with truth. Give our drama team a big clap today. Thank you, everyone. Now, look, hopefully that helps all the, the visual learners here today. But I'm simply saying depression is a very complex subject, but a lot of depression is influenced by our thinking. Influenced by our thinking. And if you can simply begin to dispute the beliefs you have about what's happening in your world today and replace them with truth and with reality. See, when you're depressed, your thinking is distorted. Elijah was so depressed he wanted to die. And this is what he said to God. God, there's no one in Israel that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. No one. You know what God said? i got 7,000 people that haven't bowed the knee. Elijah's thinking was out 0 to 7,000. Can you see the distortion? See, when you're depressed, your thinking is distorted. And you've replaced truth with, with a lie, with, with, with unreality. And so the more we can tune in and question and replace our thoughts with truth, you'll find your feelings and your behavior begin to change. Need to wrap this up now as lunch is coming. Final scripture we're going to look at this morning, Hebrews 6.19. We, why don't we read this together in unison, one, two, three. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope is something you can have. It's not something you just do. <laughs> well, just look on the bright side. Believe for the best. Hope is not wishful thinking. Have a good attitude. Hope is not something we do. Hope is something we can have. And the writer here says hope's like an anchor. How many know hope's only as good as what you got it attached to? <laughs> if you got, you got your hope in people, well, they may let you down. You got your hope in circumstances, well, there's a lot of uncertainty about what's... But, but if your hope is anchored on something solid then you can have a sense of firmness and security. Let me give you three things that I think we can anchor our hope to, and then we will close with prayer. First of all, uh, we can find hope in the certainty of God's presence. You know, I can't promise you an easy life. I can't promise you a trouble-free life. But I can tell you one of God's names is Jehovah Shammah, which means I am the God who is always there. God is always there in the mountaintop experiences, in the normal experiences, and in the valley. God is there. And that's one certainty. In the midst of everything else being uncertain, I can promise you today, God will never, ever abandon you. He watches over you. He is with you. This is an anchor for your soul. Number two is God's purpose. 
Uh, I don't know why stuff happens. Uh, I think one day when we get to eternity, God will explain a lot to us. Life's a bit like a tapestry. You ever seen those tapestries when you look at the back, they're just a mess? <laughs> All of these threads and dark and light. You go, what is that? And you turn it over and there's a pattern. And we don't often see the pattern. And maybe in this life we'll never get the wise to everything, but we believe there's a purpose. God is at work in our life. Uh, the Joseph story, Joseph had dreams. He was thrown into a pit by his jealous brothers, and he ended up in a prison in Egypt for 13 years. Talk about A, adversity. I wonder what beliefs, <laughs> I wonder what his mind was like. God, where are you? What about those dreams? What about that? Why me? But, you know, 13 years later, when he reunited with his brothers, he said this, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Genesis 50, verse 20. He formed a belief system about the adversity in his life. He didn't deny it. He didn't say it didn't matter. He says it hurt. It was painful, but God used it for good. He put an anchor on God's with me in this prison. And I don't know, maybe there's a purpose for me being in this prison. And instead of ending up a bitter, twisted, angry, resentful man, here's a man who is able to forgive those that actually hurt him. It's all about what he believed about what was happening to him. And then finally, God's promise. God is true to his word. What he said he would do, he will do. And our ultimate hope is not in this life alone. How many know the death rate's about 100% right now? You know. <laughs> but our hope's actually beyond the grave, <laughs> that there is a resurrection and Jesus is preparing a place for us uh, where our hope is in the promise of God. So as we come to a final prayer, I wonder where hope is in your world right now. Maybe you're living a hope-filled life. That's wonderful. I pray you would overflow that hope to others. But maybe like me, you've entered a season of, of low mood or depression and you're grappling with that or maybe with me you're, uh, you're struggling with some of the beliefs you have about the adversity in your life. I pray that uh, today's message would be helpful to you and lead to some really good conversations. I want to finish by praying this prayer over you today and I want to encourage you if you are walking through some depression today, don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be ashamed about that. Better, stronger people than you have walk through that too. And so tell somebody, chat to a pastor or a counselor. It's okay. It's normal in the human experience to have seasons of low mood. And so let me finish with this prayer before Tracy comes up with a benediction. In fact, why don't we stand just as I say this prayer of you. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray today in a world of increasing hopelessness and people even despairing of life, I pray for each one of us that we would find hope and we would have hope like an anchor for our soul, for our emotions. And I pray that we would have a belief system that says God is with me, God is at work in my life, and God will be true to his word. And we will have hope. We'd be filled with hope. And as we go out from this place into our uh, various sectors of society through this week, we would be people who overflow with hope wherever we go. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.
Come on, give Jesus a big clap today. God, we love you. You're a God of hope. Amen. Amen.